Welcome to the Business of Race podcast, where we examine how race and racism impact business and what corporations and organizations can do to effectively address these issues while creating a space that's more optimal for all of their employees to work. My name is Regina Newkirk-Rucci. I'm the Director of Equity for 90 Forward and the host for this program. Today in the conference room, I am joined by the illustrious Tina Worth, who is a nonprofit consultant here in Jacksonville. She's also had extensive experience with Chambers of Commerce, 15 years actually working in the Jacksonville and Charleston Chambers. So quite a wealth of business knowledge there. And I'm also joined by Dr. Kimberly Allen, who is the CEO of 90 Forward, a racial equity and justice nonprofit here in Jacksonville. Welcome to the conference room, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. It's great to be here. So let's get down to business. Right. Today's agenda item is what does it mean to bring your whole self to work? Uh, this is a buzz topic. We're hearing it a lot. And a lot of corporations have been struggling with this idea of what it actually means and um, what they should be doing. Right. And so I think that this gets tied with belonging, but let's also break down what those things are. Because when we're in the diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging space, I think words can get interchanged, but they don't actually mean the same thing. Right. So I think a lot of people initially started with diversity. And when I think of diversity, I think of numbers, right? How many women do you have? How many African-American employees do you have? How many Asian American employees do you have? How many LGBTQ plus employees do you have? How many employees do you have over 65? But it is purely numbers and percentages when you think about diversity. But I don't know that it necessarily has an impact on our organization. Well, I, I, I view diversity the same way. Um, it, it really is a, a numbers game. And it's been interesting for me to watch um, companies uh, begin to evolve their language about um, equity versus equality. Remember, I mean, that's mm -hmm. been an evolution and then certainly inclusion. And I personally am a big fan of the B showing up in terms of belonging. But I, I share the same definition. Diversity is just a numbers game. Right. And I think that's important. Like we have to start there. You have to have a diverse staff in order to get to the E, the I, and the B. But it really is just the numbers. But what about equity? Because you said equity versus equality. Well, how do you see those differences? Yeah, I actually, that was a learning for me that I had to absorb and that I was using, I was using the term equality. Um, but that implies that everybody gets the same step up. And I think for employees who may feel marginalized in the community and in their workplaces, I think equity is what's really needed, which means that there may be different levels of support depending upon the employee's uh, group affiliation. Yeah, and I think I personally evolved a little even on the equality versus equity conversation. You know, if we're thinking about women in pay, right, we want women to make the same amount as men doing the same job with the same title and level of experience. Um, but it might take equity for us to get there, right? So to get women and catch women up to where 
um, men are being paid in their fields, it's going to take equity. You might have to give them 50 cents more on the dollar uh, mm -hmm. versus men where you might not have to make any adjustments at all. Um, or where you've done, you know, if you talk about intersection of identity, right? If we're talking about black women, if they need 75 uh, cent on the dollar increase versus a 25 cent on the dollar of a white woman. And mm -hmm. so um, I think equity is is how we get to the goal you know, of equality, but I think equality is, is big picture utopia goals. Um, but it certainly takes equity to get there. Well, and I think that's also an issue of focusing on the goal, right? Mm -hmm. If the goal is to see the board, some students may need glasses, some may not, some may need glasses and contacts, right? Depending on what your vision is. But the focus is everybody gets to see the board. So if mm -hmm. the focus is that everyone gets paid at this level, as opposed to what we're doing to increase pay, right? That really is going to bring you about to equity as opposed to equality. All right. So I think a lot happens with inclusion and belonging. And I think those two get interchanged a lot. And that's really where we're going to spend the bulk of this time today. So when you all think about inclusion and belonging, what do you all, how do you all define those two? Well, for me, inclusion is um, where diversity meets thought, um, where folks who might look different, have different backgrounds and experiences, have the opportunity to, per to participate in whatever is happening. Um, I hear folks use the prom metaphor um, where, you know, you're invited to the dance. Everybody's invited to the dance. Um, but inclusion is making sure that everybody has an opportunity um, to you know, get to the dance floor and they feel like they can all <laughs> dance together, right? And so it's more than just the numbers part that diversity represents. It's really how are we taking their ability to think and apply it in a way that um, that introduces some some innovation, some creativity that we might not have thought of before. You know, one of the th I'm in the process now of reading Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, and in inclusion, that can look like one of two things. It can look like fitting in. Or it can look like belonging. And for me, it was really powerful to understand the difference between the two is when you belong, you belong for who you are. When you're included, you might just be fitting in, which means you belong for the person the group expects you to be. And so that's that's why I think inclusion is important. But then that belonging piece is if you haven't created a space of psychological safety for your employees of color, then they may be included in the room, but not feel comfortable to speak up uh, and not feel as though their interests are being taken into consideration. So might be tokenism, right? Absolutely. That's the belonging piece. So you've got to have the inclusion in order to belong, but really allowing people to be their individual selves. All right. So because I think it's important for us as we talk about this to talk about it in terms of what's happening with employers and then what's happening with employees, because it's different as we talk about bringing your whole self to work. Great. Right? So let's start with employers. So I'm an employer. I want to create an environment where people are bringing their whole selves to work. Cause I've, I've seen this. I I'm reading all of my DEI books. They're telling me it's really important. What does that look like? Well, actually, before we get there, why should I do that? Why? What's the benefit of people bringing their whole selves to work as opposed to just show up and do the job that I hired you to do? You get the best outcome 
when people can contribute in ways that feel authentic to them. Um, it affects your bottom line. People are happy to show up. People are loyal when they feel like they can show up. Um, they will help you create and recraft and recreate um, products to appeal to audiences that you might have missed just because um, you're not necessarily as in touch as you might think. Um, and so it really has the ability to keep your corporation fresh and appealing and exciting um, and really attracting uh, just new innovation and school of thought. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, and some of the interpretation of what whole self in the workplace is, is very generational. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, I just read an article that was, that the title was, OMG, my boss just friended me. <laughs> and there is a certain amount of um, generational interest in separating out your work self and your personal self. And so, you know, I've seen some some articles now talking about maybe bringing your authentic self or bringing your best self um, although I think I like authentic more because life happens. I mean, and so if you have an employee that's going through a bad divorce, um, they're, they're going to need the time and the space. And I also think it's really important that when you're an employee of color, that um, leadership embrace the notion that you're allowed to have a bad day. I think sometimes groups that are viewed by their group affiliation, um, you know, if someone who uses a wheelchair is upset that, that you held the door open for them when they didn't ask, well, that doesn't mean that people with disabilities have chips on their shoulders. That means that that guy might just be having a really bad day. And I think that that's another important part about bringing your whole self to work is feeling safe to do so. So as we talk about employers creating this space where people can be authentic at work, right? What are some things that they need to do? Because I find that lots of times employers think that they're doing that Mm -hmm. and the employees say, -uh." so what are some things that employers should be doing um, to make sure that their employees actually can be whole and authentic and genuinely their best self at work. (laughs) And even have bad days at work. (laughs) You know, I think that there's a tendency of employers uh, to provide lip service to an idea and then not really follow it up in practice. So I think that um, asking employees to bring their whole self to work is to ask them to demonstrate some vulnerability And in doing so, management has to model that. It's a practice. It's a behavior. Uh, And so it can't just be a tagline. It it really needs to be from the top down. It's modeled and embraced. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth, Tina. (laughs) That was exactly what I was thinking. Like you have to, you have to be vulnerable if you want folks to be vulnerable. You have to be authentic if you want folks to be authentic. And so employees know very well when it's just a tagline or Mm -hmm. when it's really Mm -hmm. in genuine um, that I can show up or that I can, you know, be a mess sometimes because life happens. Right. I think workspaces are microcosms of the real world and it's impossible a lot of times to separate 
um, the outside world as an outside of work from what happens in the workplace. And so providing spaces for people to be human um, and in showing that management, to your point, is also human, right? I, I had to take some extra days of bereavement or, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dealing with um, life right now. And so I just need a little bit of grace and then extending that grace in return to your employees, I think, goes a long way um, for for people being able to be there themselves. Mm-hmm. I think another aspect of that, though, also is monitoring. And I think you have to put some monitoring systems in place because if it's a change, then it's not necessarily natural for you. I agree. It has to start at the top and it does have to be authentic, but that doesn't mean that that's your routine and that's the practice that you will fall back in. Mm -hmm. So if you have the common practice of women being talked over in meetings Every time that happens, somebody's looking for it. And then a ding, 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 if it's a bell, if there's um, a, a, an alert system for that. Or great idea. as opposed to <laughs> we're going to have an idea session as opposed to people talking, everybody writes their ideas down and posts them on the wall. So introverts have an opportunity to be included as well as extroverts. And it's not everybody jumping on to the vice president's idea because, Mm -hmm. hey, I want, he's going to be trying to give me a promotion, um, you know, in six months. So there may be some things that you need to do differently, but a monitoring system, um, which also means that you're going to have to start with some really good data. What are the issues? Who are the people who really don't feel like they can bring their best selves to work? Um, Is that your employees of color? Is that women? Is that LGBTQ plus employees? Um, is that people under or over a certain age? You know, really understanding those categories and groups and groupings that you have and then getting information from them um, mm-hmm. in a way that they're going to tell you honestly and not worry about whether or not it'll come back on them um, in their jobs. I think that's going to be important, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I think, you know, surveys and tools where information is um Blindly gathered, aggregated, uh, those types of things are important and should be ongoing. I mean, that should absolutely be a KPI. How, what percentage of our employees feel included and what percentage of our employees have elevated themselves into feeling belong, that, that, that they belong there? And I think that would be a very interesting metric in addition to the metrics of diversity that we talked about. But I think that'd be an important measure. Yeah. All right. So now I'm going to s- switch lanes a little bit. Um, and I'm going to do that. We switch over to the employee employees. I'm actually going to talk about Slack because um, I've had a couple of friends of mine who have been in environments where there have been a lot younger employees. And Slack is one of those online programs where you can sort of it's the water cooler, the digital water cooler. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can have conversations. And so. People who are a little older, okay, is this a business thing? Is this a personal thing? Mm-hmm. Um, why are you talking about what happened with your dog? And then there's 30 minutes of dog conversation where at work, um, you know, and then you're also telling me in the middle of that, that there's an important memo that has to go out, you know. And so as people employees, as we talk about wanting to bring our whole selves to work, 
What does that mean from an employee standpoint? Um, does this mean that you can sort of just do who and be whomever you want to be able to talk about whatever, um, you know, what should that mean for employees if your employer has created this space? Um, this is not the the come completely as you are. Like, don't show up naked, right? Um, <laughs> put on some clothes. There are some, <laughs> there are some, I think, just human decency, respect sorts of things that we always have to be mindful of, in particular in our workspaces. Um, but the idea that um, I can come and express myself and not be stereotyped or not be typecast or not have my ideas or my feelings or my, you know, what have you, uh, you know, working against me later on, I think is the true intent of bringing your authentic self to work. Um, Showing up late is not authentic self to work, right? (laughs) That is a character flaw (laughs) that you need to work on being punctual, waking up earlier, right? Like there are expectations that you show up to work on time, ready to do the things that um, are expected of you in your your job description. Um, But, you know, in these spaces, there's always, you know, appropriateness. There's always making sure that folks... um, have the ability to participate or not, if that's their choice, Mm -hmm. but also making sure that we don't leave out people, right? You mentioned the age difference. And as a millennial, one of the things I try to do in particular with my parents is try to show them also how to use the technology so that they can (laughs) engage with it too. Um, They didn't grow up in the era. For the most part, they don't have an interest, um, but for little things like FaceTime, how can I help set them up so that they don't miss out on the social exchange? And I think that goes two ways, right? If if some colleagues are playing golf, but the younger employees are not, you know, golf literate or what have you, or, or know that that's the thing, making sure that there is communication bi-directionally where folks feel like they can participate if they want to and just creating environments where, where if there's learning that needs to happen, it can happen uh, in a bi-directional, multi-directional um, way. Yeah. You know, and the other thing, too, from the employee perspective is, you know, an employer is there to do a job, right? To, to 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 sell a product, to provide a service, and so there are limitations in what employees can get um, can get tangled up into. And I know that some of the larger corporations have really struggled around issues of choice. The Supreme Court decision that came out, how those Slack channels are being used, and how it's creating some tension in the workplace. But also recognizing that your employer now this is not. True across the board. So I do want to say that a lot of frontline workers who predominantly tend to be workers of color do not have as much free agency in where and how they work. So I want to acknowledge that. However, if I work at Altria, right, which used to be Philip Morris, and someone in my family is impacted with lung cancer, my choices are to change employers <laughs> or, or, or just uh, sit down and go with the company line. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some situations at the chamber where I didn't necessarily agree with the direction of an initiative, but my continuing to work there is a tacit agreement that I will stand down on those particular issues. So I think that part is important too. And I think that sometimes younger workers may not necessarily understand that distinction because they've been in an environment where work and house and home life bleed over. Mm-hmm. It's gen- Generation X has not. You know, I'm like, what? What are, you, what are you doing texting me at 10 o'clock at night? You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't do work texts at 10. And so, um, uh, so I think that part is 
there's a generational difference for sure. And I think that's important to acknowledge because that's the other thing in an in an employer, uh, in a corporation, you're likely to have multi-generations. And so how what those expectations are, and I think this goes to communication, right? Because as the employer, you want to be sure that you're saying, as you said, I've hired you to do a job, but I want to embrace who you bring to that job. Every aspect that of you that you bring to the job mm -hmm. and your ability to do the job. But that doesn't mean your entire life story and every aspect of that. And also recognizing that different employees are going to have different levels of their comfort with that. And that's okay as long as you've created the space. So for instance, I'm going to be one of those people who's less likely to bring all of my personal business um, to work. However, I do appreciate the fact that I can be who I am. And I'm looking for, you know, can I wear my hair naturally? Can I voice my opinion comfortably without retribution? And and I also want to clarify, too, that we need to understand that you can voice your opinion, but that does not mean that you can be insubordinate. And I think that line also gets it can yeah. blurry and insubordination is still a character flaw um, and not something you should be doing at work. Whereas you should be able to voice your opinion. So you have to do that respectfully and in the right ways. But I want to be able to do those things. Um, whereas some other people really want to be able to talk about their home life and um, you know, what their partner is doing and what they did with their dogs. And you should be able to comfortably disclose that as well. But understanding that employees will have different levels of comfort with that. Absolutely. I'll tell you, when um, when I first worked at the chamber, my roommate and I, now my wife, you know, it was always very tricky on a Monday morning. What'd you do this weekend? Um, stuff with people. <laughs> And so it feels so much more, it, it does feel wonderful to be out and to not have that sort of hidden thing going on. Mm -hmm. And um, and so anyhow, having having lived kind of on both sides of that, I work really hard to develop empathy when the headlines are particularly traumatic for people of color, when there's yet another shooting. I, I I try to walk very sensitively because I think that the pain is so great. And I'm working with people who are dealing with great levels of pain that I need to be sure to do my part to ensure their safety and well-being. Yeah, and it's 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 incredibly important. But I think, Regina, what you said, that communication piece is key, right? It's because even in empathy, right, if it's like, you know what, Tina, today I thank you. I appreciate the fact that you are setting this space. I'm not ready to talk about it, right? Right. Yes, exactly. Right. And right. so even having the ability to say, this is the time I feel like it or not, not yet. I appreciate the space. And so I think that communication piece mm -hmm. is, is certainly a priority, even down to the, I'm not texting you at 10 o'clock at night about work. Like, I don't text me at 10 o'clock about work. Um, and that's okay. And I think we can even... We can have that, you know, kind of exchange that kind of respect, mutual respect for each other, because that's what it is at the end of the day. 
I'm letting you know how to respect me and my boundaries um, and what, what, whatever that might be. And I think as employees, we have to understand that employers have boundaries, too. And so some of the things that might happen in the Slack chat or Slack, I'm see, I'm not even Slack savvy, um, <laughs> in the Slack room um, may not be, you know, what employers even really care about, but understanding again that their job, like your job to them is what is first and foremost. And so again, what are the boundaries of the job? What are the boundaries of the individuals in the job? What are the boundaries of this communication channel? And then how can we work and be respectful of each other? Yeah. All right. So let's get down to the bottom line. For our employers, we're actually going to do a a double today. For employers, what would be your key takeaway? And then for employees, what would be your key takeaway from today's discussion? For employers, um, don't say it if you're not going to do it. Just, it's okay. Just don't say that belonging matters and then not follow that up. Um, and then I would say in that same vein to the employee, uh, if you have agency and choice, don't go work for an employer whose values you don't approve of. I think that that is totally appropriate. And um, employers with bad culture, employers promoting unhealthy products have a harder time hiring. So they know this. So make your choices accordingly, again, with the caveat that not everybody has that choice. Um, I would say for employers um, to be authentic Um, and in your authenticity, really show your employees that you mean it by doing things like tracking and monitoring. I think um, that is the best way to build um, mutual trust and respect between, um, you know, the employer employee relationship. And for employees, I would say um, don't abuse the spaces that are created. Um, because we don't want to, in turn, um, have employers say, see, I I knew Mm -hmm. that this wouldn't work out because sometimes we go the extra mile of trying to take advantage. But really being mindful of what it means to be an employee who has the incredible opportunity to work in spaces where they allow you to be who you are. And because it's rare. It is rare. Yeah. But that's that's the payoff, right? Mm-hmm. That access to talent, access to a strong workforce, lower retention rates. It's a real business case. Absolutely. And so I would say that for employers, communication and being very clear in communicating who you are, what your values are, what the expectations are, so that a you will attract the right employees and employees will be very clear about what the expectations are. I think so many issues happen because of poor communication and assumptions. And I think for my employers, it would be very similar in that make sure that you're clear in communicating with other people what your limitations and boundaries are and you're getting that information from others. Don't just assume that everybody's in your space. I, a 10 o'clock texter at work. Um, however, I can't expect that to be everyone. And so I need to be clear about that from the get go and just communicating with people to find out really just sets you up so much better for success. All right. 
It has been such a pleasure to have you both in the conference room today. I really appreciate it. Uh, This has been a fascinating conversation and I think a really timely and important one. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And we look forward to joining us again in the conference room for the Business of Race podcast. Have a great day.